Hi, and thank you for listening in to the New Song Podcast from this week's service. You are welcome and encouraged to join us at 10 a.m. on Sundays in person. And for more information on how to get involved with New Song, go to newsonglouisville.org and follow us on social media. And now for today's message. We're in the midst of a series called Indestructible Joy. We're taking if you will, a joyride through the book of Philippians. And I, for one, am loving just getting the opportunity to go deep, dive deep into the book of Philippians. There's so much truth, so much power, so much encouragement found through the Apostle Paul as he's writing from this, <laughs> from this Roman prison cell to these precious believers in Philippi. And he's describing over and over and over again what it means to have an indestructible joy. And we kind of we describe it this way. An indestructible joy means that you have a joy that no matter what happens in your life, you continue to trust and praise God knowing that God in no circumstance has the final word over your life. Can you say amen to that this morning? That's the kind of joy, the kind of faith, the kind of life that I want to live for the Lord. This morning, we're going to turn our attention to the power of prayer. Paul is going to teach us just how incredibly important prayer is to the body of Christ and to each and every individual believer. So would you pray with me for a moment? Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, would you be our guide and our teacher as we open the life-giving Word of God, the living and active Word of God, and may we mix this morning in our hearts the Word of God with faith in God that together it might produce a great harvest of fruitfulness in each and every one of our lives that we might each find a faith that no matter what happens in this life, we continue to trust and praise you, knowing that you, Lord God Almighty, are the Lord over our lives. And regardless of what comes our way, you have the final word, and you will lead us and guide us. Lord, we love you and worship you with all of our hearts. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. 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 Indestructible joy. This is how... The Apostle Paul lives his life, and it's how he absolutely encourages us to live our lives. He's wrongfully imprisoned for preaching the gospel, and yet he's rejoicing in the midst of that imprisonment, and he's showing us how to live our own indestructible, joy-filled lives while going through our tough times. Let me just tell you this morning, church, the enemy will try to come against you He'll try to steal your joy. He'll try to make things difficult. But remember this, joy is your strength. The Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength. Amen? So Paul's in prison. He's writing this epistle. And here's how he's dealing with the things in his life. This is his commentary, if you will, on how to live out in real life a life full of indestructible joy. And this morning, we're going to look at the importance of partnering together in prayer. That's why I want to invite you out 6.30 Wednesday night right here to be a part of a wonderful time of prayer and praise together. First thing we notice about Paul 
in the book of Philippians and elsewhere, which we'll illustrate in a moment, is he was a committed man of prayer. There is absolutely no doubt about that. He is a committed man of prayer. Immediately after his miraculous conversion on the road to Damascus, he's found in prayer, by the way, by a man named Ananias. God speaks to Ananias and says, go to a street called Straight. You're going to find a man there named Saul of Tarsus who will be praying who will be praying. Ananias listens to the Lord, goes. He's a part of Paul's conversion. And it's in the atmosphere, if you will, of prayer. And then while Paul is in the Philippian prison, his first visit to Philippi, Acts chapter 16, we find that he's praying. And in the midst of his prayers, God sends an earthquake. The jail cells open. It's an amazing thing. The jailer and his family get saved. Paul's life is just accentuated, if you will, by prayer. Paul mentions prayer in every single one of his writings in the New Testament, except one. Anybody know what that one is? A little quiz question for you here this morning, the book of Titus. And it's interesting, he doesn't mention prayer there, but he starts with a prayer. He starts with a prayer of blessing. Prayer is always present whenever Paul is writing. When he's, he's, he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, he talked about praying without ceasing. He talked about being in prayer always. He talked about praying everywhere, and he lived that way. His lifestyle was a lifestyle of continuous prayer. I'd just like to throw in the question, how do we think we're going to survive as Christians in a day and a time when things are getting increasingly difficult for people of faith unless we're people of prayer? Man, it's time, folks, so we start turning the, turning the knobs up, right? Turning the fire up, and we start becoming what we've talked about really well for a long time. We love to talk about prayer. It's just we don't practice it near as much as we talk about it. It's about time we start getting past rhetoric to reality, right? A lot of what we say is rhetoric over reality, and I believe God wants to make us into real people of prayer. Paul prayed for the churches. Paul prayed some of the greatest prayers found in the Bible. He begged the churches for prayer for himself. He knew how important it was to have other people praying for him. Let me ask you a question this morning. Do you have anybody specifically praying for you? That might be something you might want to think about. Getting your own little prayer group, if you will, prayer partners, if you will, where you're praying for them, they're praying for you. You've committed and covenanted together to pray for one another. Paul, the greatest apostle who ever lived, was also, I believe, the greatest man of prayer. He knew he couldn't fulfill God's will apart from prayer partnership in and with the church. Who are your prayer partners? He knew that, that heaven, when we storm the gates of heaven, when we fall on our knees, when we cry out to God, that heaven releases the Holy Spirit's power when people partner together in prayer. So he would invite the church into partnership with his work through their prayers. We must realize the very same thing for our own lives because we're no different. 
We must partner in prayer for one another so that God's will can happen in and through our lives. We often wonder why we don't see God moving more. And I would say very simply, it's because we're, we need to be praying more. Let me say that again. So many times we wonder why we don't see God moving more. Let me just say simply, it's probably because we need to be praying more. What might happen? What might happen in and through us if we really partner together in prayer as our first option, not as a last resort? <laughs> Sometimes we say that, don't we? Well, I guess it's come to, I guess, I guess we're just going to have to pray about it. Now, you know, and, and, and I know that one of the things we've taught and we've, we've talked about a lot, I still have my pray first bracelet on. Somebody asked me the other day, what do you have there, Pastor Jeff? Your three things. I have pray first, I have together on mission, and I have love is greater than fear. Pray first, not as a last resort, as a first option. As your first, your first thing that you do when you encounter a problem, when you get up in the morning, when you're walking through your day, whatever's going on, that you pray first. Second thing is the Philippians prayers. Release the Holy Spirit's supply in Paul's life and ministry. Do you know that? Philippians chapter 1, this is our passage today that we're going to look at and focus on. Philippians 1, verses 19 and 20. Would you look at it with me and read along as I read? For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. According to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. I want you to notice a couple of things there real quick. Verse 19, this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Do you see this? When we're praying for one another, it brings a supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ into our lives. And then I love this part where he says at the end of verse 20, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by my life or my death. One of the things I've been praying lately is Jesus Jesus, be magnified in my life. Be magnified in my life. May you be seen. May you be exalted. May you be glorified. May others see you through me. Maybe they not even see me. May they see you. May they see you. Hide me behind your cross that Jesus and Jesus alone might be magnified. Listen, folks, prayer moves heaven and prayer causes things to change. Prayer moves heaven, and heaven causes things to change. We need revival. Our nation's in a desperate place for revival. I went to get my hair cut the other day. And um, 
young lady cutting my hair that had not cut my hair before. And I got there on time for my appointment. And she was late. I didn't know why. I waited for a few minutes and finally she came around the corner. She's cutting my hair and she was really quiet. At one point she says, I'm sorry, I'm so quiet. She said, normally I'm talking my head off. But she said, my, my last client, the one right before you, just uh, was so horribly inappropriate and started talking to me in sexually vulgar ways. And my, uh, some of the other hairstylists heard it. And at the end, they said, don't, don't, you don't ever, you don't ever allow him. You don't ever cut his hair again. He's not allowed back here ever again. And she said, it just shook me up so bad. I'm so sorry. I said, I'm, I'm so sorry for what happened to you. It shouldn't be that way. But we're living in a really messed up world. Sin has taken its toll on our world. I was out with my daughter. We were uh, walking the dog. <laughs> the dogs. <laughs> she had one, I had one. This was just maybe a night before this happened. And I was sharing, we were just talking about stuff, and I was sharing with her one time I had a really weird Uber situation where I uh, got in the wrong Uber ride and was at 5 o'clock in the morning in South Carolina, and my Uber driver discovered I wasn't his actual ride, so he drove me back to the gated neighborhood where I was staying, dropped me off at the gate, left me at the gate where I couldn't get in at 5 in the morning, and uh, I needed to get to the airport. And I um, got my luggage at 5 a.m. The sprinkler system's on. I'm standing there going, I can't get in. I can't get back to the house I was staying in because the gate is locked. I have no ride in my, my... Anyway, I was sharing with her my Uber story. And she said, well, I've got some Uber stories too, Dad. Mine was kind of funny. Hers weren't funny. One guy was so sexually inappropriate with my daughter in his Uber ride that she had to start screaming and hollering and throwing a fit to get out of the car because he was uh, <clears throat> inappropriately disrobing, if you will. I don't know about you, but uh, man, sometimes it's heavy. We're, we're living in a really messed up world. If we don't see revival, I don't see things changing, do you? And if we don't become real people of prayer, I don't see revival happening. By the way, I also wanted to make sure today that we're praying over, over the nation of Israel. Huh. Five thousand missiles fired into Israel. 
surprise attack. By the way, it's right at the festival of Sukkot. Almost 50 years to the day from an attack 50 years ago on Israel. Thousands injured. Some horrific things that have happened there. Lord, would you just intervene? Would you just move and work in that situation? Would you protect your people, Lord? Would you bring blessing to, to Jerusalem and your people? Would you protect them? Would you bring a quick end to this war? Would you bring, Lord, justice the way only you can bring justice? God, just have your way intervene there in Jesus' name. I find myself every day in my prayer time, I'm crying out for revival, crying out for a great awakening, crying out for a greater awakening than we've ever seen before in our nation. Paul believed that through the Philippians' prayer and the Holy Spirit's supply that he'd be delivered from many things. It was the Philippians' prayers he realized. It was the power of concerted prayer that he realized released the Holy Spirit's supply. Prayer, prayer paves the way for the miraculous Holy Spirit power. What a, what a partnership with God and Paul and the Philippians. When I just was in Africa here just a couple of weeks ago, at points uh, in, the, in the conference that I was a part of, when, when they get up and call the African pastors to prayer, oh my gosh, wow. No wonder you can feel the Lord at work there because they are a praying people. It's almost like when they got to praying, you couldn't hardly bring them back. And I mean, the room became energized. I'm just looking around the room, and I mean, praying fervently. Think about, think about this supply of the Holy Spirit that comes through the concerted prayer of God's people. Our prayers for one another pave the way for the miraculous work of the Holy Spirit to manifest in our lives. Listen, guys, I, I, I don't want to just talk about this stuff. I want to live it. I want to see it. I want to experience it firsthand. A sad thing happened in the early church. Herod, Herod had James arrested, one of the apostles, and he executed him. And because this was so popular with the people, Herod decided, man, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to arrest Peter now. And it was, it was really a bleak moment, if you will, in the early church. It was a questionable moment. Things could have went either way in this situation. It looked like, it looked like things were on a downhill slide, if you will. Acts chapter 12, verse 5, it says, Peter was therefore kept in prison. But constant prayer, everybody say constant prayer, was offered to God for him by the church. Peter was in prison. He, he's literally chained up. But constant prayer is offered to God for him by the church. 
See, the church didn't see the situation as something that God couldn't handle. They saw this situation as something God could easily handle. Peter's chained between two guards. And it says a, a mighty angel literally comes right into his cell and delivers him, unshackles him, takes the chains off him because people were praying. Church, are you in a tough situation? Folks, are you in a tough situation? Listen, maybe what you need to do is rally some prayer partners, folks, because it's either true or it's not. God either responds to prayer or he doesn't. Prayer either moves heaven and earth or it doesn't. The apostle Paul absolutely believed it did, and it happened several times over in his life. You might feel chained and imprisoned. You might feel time's running out. Surround yourself with some faithful prayer partners and watch God deliver you. So what were some of the things that Paul sought deliverance from? What was he seeking deliverance from? Number one, from his circumstances. He's in prison again. And he's praying for deliverance, okay? However God might do it. In Acts 16, right? It was an earthquake. In Acts 12, it was the angel showing up in Peter's cell and unleashing him. Paul didn't care how God do it. He's just believing for God to do it. Paul didn't limit God on how he might do it. He solicited prayer that God would do it. Secondly, he's asking for deliverance from cowardice. Might I say this is probably one of the greatest prayer needs for the church in America today. God, deliver us from cowardice. We've gotten quiet when we should have spoke up. We've been silenced when we should have spoke God's word. We've gotten sophisticated and educated and intellectual and we've allowed things to happen that should have never happened in our nation. See, Paul saw the Philippians' prayer as the Holy Spirit's supply and as the source of his continual boldness before God. If you've lost your spark as a witness, if you've lost your boldness as a witness, pray God delivers you from cowardice. Pray God fills you with boldness. This is one of the most common prayer requests in the early church. Lord, consider their threats and give us boldness to proclaim your name regardless of the consequences. And it says the place they were praying was shaken. Number three, deliverance from mediocrity. Mediocrity. I hate the word even. That Christ will be magnified by my life or my death. Paul saw their prayer and the Holy Spirit supplies the source for Jesus to be magnified through his life. And this is crucial. With all that Paul was as a great apostle, he never saw himself, listen, he never saw himself as beyond the need for prayer. Prayer for his circumstances. Prayer that God would use his life. 
how much more for us? God, deliver us from our circumstances. Deliver us from our potential compromise. Deliver us from mediocrity. Deliver us from from being apathetic and not testifying of your goodness. And this, this is just the beginning, folks. What other things did Paul ask for prayer from the New Testament churches? Let's go through them real quick because there's a lot of them. What else did he ask? In Romans chapter 15, for the Romans, he said, now I beg you, brethren, through the Lord Jesus Christ and through the love of the Spirit that you strive together with me in prayers to God for me that I might be delivered from those in Judea who do not believe and that my service for Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints and that I may come to you with joy by the will of God and may be refreshed together with you. Listen, New Testament prayer is never dead, boring, and lifeless. He says, I beg you, strive together with me in prayer. There's desperation and there's effort on Paul's part. This is a man who's passionate for Jesus. Deliver me from unbelievers who have and will persecute me. And may the service that I'm giving be acceptable to God. May the gift and the word that I bring be received by the people. May we be reunited and refreshed together. If you notice, if you look at the prayers, it's interesting, right? Paul wants big things and small things covered in prayer by his prayer partners. The big things and the little things. God, deliver me from those that would come against me. And God, help me to come together with my brothers and be refreshed. Some are big, some are small, but he brings them all. How about the church in Corinth, 2 Corinthians 1? Yes, we had the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead, who delivered us from so great a death, and who does deliver us, in whom we trust that he'll still deliver us. You also helping together in prayer for us. The thanks may be given by many persons on our behalf for the gift granted to us by through many. Help together in prayer. Prayer was the tangible help in Paul's mind. Prayer helps, prayer matters, prayer changes things. Prayer and more prayer is needed, church. You you realize Paul was delivered from death repeatedly? Paul saw prayer as being able to conquer the death sentence that kept coming against him. He did, he does, he will. What faith he had. How about the Thessalonians? In 2 Thessalonians, Paul says, Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may run swiftly and be glorified just as it is with you and that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men for not all have faith. Let me, let me just stop and ask you guys, and I, I mean just an honest moment, are these the kind of prayers we pray? Or do we find ourselves praying stuff like this? Oh, Lord, bless my day. Lord, uh, uh, bless bless my wife, and uh, uh, let everything go well today, God. 
Do you see a theme here in Paul's prayers? Deliver me from... Here's one way to put it, right? Everywhere Paul went, either revival broke out or a riot. (laughs) Have you ever noticed that? when, When he goes somewhere, it's either revival or a riot. He's either being accepted, sometimes even worshiped as a God and having to tell them, no, don't do that. Or he's being stoned and beaten with rods. This is a man so on fire for Jesus, so alive with the spirit of God that wherever he goes, other people are discovering the very life he's discovered. I don't know about you, but in all honesty, just his prayer requests convict me. These are not the things I'm normally praying about. God, forgive me. I must be living too low a life and have too low an expectation. Pray for us that the word of the Lord would run swiftly and God would be glorified. When's the last time you prayed that over your life? Prayer propels the word into men's hearts so that Jesus gets glory. Deliver me from unreasonable and wicked men. Prayer brings deliverance. Paul's repeated request was for deliverance from the Jews, from death, from unreasonable and wicked men. I'm just being honest. When's the last time you had to pray for something like that? Is it maybe because we're walking in a little bit too much of a comfort zone? How about the Ephesians? What did Paul pray for the Ephesians. Ephesians 6, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints and for me that utterance may be given to me, that I might open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am ambassador in chains, that in it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Pray always, be watchful, persevere. And let me tell you, where there's much prayer, there's much power. Speak boldly as I ought, a continual request for for fresh power and anointing and boldness and speaking forth the word of God. Let me tell you, we've lost that in America. We need to get back to sharing Christ. The young lady that was cutting my hair, let me tell you, that was just the beginning of the heartbreaking story. I'll be honest, it was the most uncomfortable haircut I've ever gotten because once I just started being empathetic and and trying to encourage her, she just began to pour out abuse after abuse after abuse that she's gone through from men in her life. My heart was just breaking It's the same way with my daughter. We're living in a world where evil is triumphing and it will triumph unless the church rises up in prayer. Colossians, how about Colossians? Continue earnestly in prayer. 
being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Meanwhile, praying also for us that God would open to us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ for which I'm also in chains that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Look at it again. Continue earnestly. Pray fervently. Be passionate. Be vigilant. Our attitude, by the way, in prayer is radically important. Let me put it this way, church. Two-cent prayers don't get million-dollar answers. Pray for open door for the word of God. Pray that I should speak as I ought. Prayer opens doors for the word of God to go forward. Prayer paves the way for the Holy Spirit to work. Paul begs the church to partner with him in prayer for so many reasons because he sees prayer as the difference maker in any and every situation. The very thing that facilitates God's work in our midst is prayer. Partnering in prayer is non-negotiable for every follower of Jesus. It produces too much for us to let it go undone. Charles Spurgeon is one of the great men of God of the past. Oh, for more great men of God today, men who burn for the Lord. The word just burns and may the word burn in our hearts. May we not be able to, may we not be able to stay quiet. May we have to let it out. Paul, Charles Spurgeon said this about prayer in his church. There was a prayer meeting going on every time Charles Spurgeon stood at Metropolitan Tabernacle in London, England to preach the word of God. And he said this about the prayer meeting that was happening behind the scenes while he's preaching. He said, here is the powerhouse of this church right here. And then he went on to say, we had prayer meetings that moved our very souls. Each one appeared determined to storm the celestial city by the might of understanding. And then he said, shall I give you yet another reason why you should pray? I preach my very heart out. I cannot say any more than I've said. Will not your prayers accomplish that which my preaching fails to do? Is it not likely that the church has been putting forth its preaching hand, but not its praying hand? Oh, dear friends, let us agonize in prayer. As we close today, partnering in prayer, agreeing in prayer. Jesus wants there to be a symphony of prayer in his church. Matthew 18, 19, again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it'll be done for them by my Father in heaven. It literally is that Greek word is that symphoneo. It's that coming together like a symphony, lifting our voices together, storming heaven together, agreeing together for God's will to be done on earth just as it is in heaven. That's what God desires for his church. Would you stand with me as we close? Let us pray. Lord, increase, increase, increase the desire, the desperation, the need, the understanding of agreeing together as symphonies of prayer as a body of Christ. Lord, I believe you want to do things so much greater in this church.
in our families, in our lives, in this city, around this world. But Lord, it may well be our prayer or our lack of prayer that's holding back great answers, great breakthroughs, great blessings. God, may we send our prayers to heaven. May we, may we ascend before you. May we not be satisfied by just sitting down and watching TV or looking at social media or wasting away our hours. May we be desperate to take hold of the horns of heaven, to cry out, to pray, to be the people you've called us to be. May the Holy Spirit come down from heaven into every situation and be our supply for deliverance, for boldness, for Jesus to be magnified, for the souls of men to be once again drawn to him, for the church to be a place of conviction and challenge and conversion for fruit from all of our labor, for all things big and small. We pray in the mighty name of Jesus that you would answer and hear and that we would be your praying people in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen.